Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. So good to have you here with us today for another episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. My guest today is Taylor Payne, who helps speakers build better businesses through systems. Now, no matter where you're at in your speaking journey, I promise that you're going to, to get something great out of this conversation as we dive into the, the areas and ideas about consistency and scalability, two very important things for speakers at all levels. Now, if you're just getting started or speaking as maybe a side hustle for you, I want you to pay attention to what Taylor has to say about the tipping point when a good system goes from being a nice to have to being a must have. Some of you may already be at that point now without even realizing it. And for those of you who are full-time speakers, I want you to note what Taylor talks about when it talks about dealing with pain points and outsourcing aspects of your business that you don't love or that you're not good at. It's something that every entrepreneur at every level deals with. I think you're really gonna walk away with some great insights on that. We've got a lot of good stuff to get to. Let's get right into it. Here's my conversation on consistently finding and booking gigs with Taylor Payne. Enjoy. What's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we're joined by Mr. Taylor Payne from Speaker Flow, and we're going to be talking about uh, how speakers can find and book gigs, being able to do it in a consistent basis, and also being able to do that uh, as we enter into 2021. So, Taylor, thanks for, uh, thanks for being here, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It's uh, great to be here, Grant. Thanks for having me. You bet. Why don't we uh, we backtrack for a second? Why don't you give us a snapshot? What is SpeakerFlow? Uh, and then also, how did it come to be? Yeah, great question. So um, SpeakerFlow, in a nutshell, is a business that helps experts build better businesses so they can spend more time doing what they love. Uh, the content creation and the getting on stage and interacting with their clients. Um, the harsh reality of running a business is that it's often 90% of the work that yields 10% of the fun time that we get to spend doing right. what we love. Um, but we want to make that still as fun as possible and streamline it as much as possible. So it's not a headache as you're working through growing the business. Um, so that's in a nutshell where what speaker flow does. Um, and we have different components to our business, like the technology, the strategy and the community aspect of things to kind of help expedite that process. Um, but speaker flow was started, uh, when we made this realization. So myself and my partners, we were kind of all existing in the speaking industry, but in different kind of facets. Um, my background is in sales. Um, it started there, that is. It's where I met Austin now six or seven years ago. Um, and we built sales teams around the nation together. Um, so we learned very quickly, one, how to sell, but also how to train people with no sales experience, turn them into high performers, and then kind of rinse and repeat. Um, but I wasn't really happy with just the face-to-face -face sales or the one-on-one -on -one conversations because there's only so much time in the day that we all have. 
And I was much more fascinated by the marketing aspect of it. And what is the handoff between sales and marketing? How are they similar? How are they different? Um, and I learned very quickly that marketing and sales are really one and the same. It's just the medium in which you build the relationship changes. I like right. to think of it similar to like, I don't know, the difference between walking and swimming. Uh, still both modes of movement, but the way you move is just slightly different. Um, and so after running a digital agency in the marketing space for a while, a company in the speaking industry asked, hey, can we resell your marketing services for professional speakers? I thought, you know, why not? Um, I've never worked with them before, but small business is small business from a marketing perspective. So let's give it a try. Now, as a marketing person, I was spoiled with companies who had already had sales processes in place. So my entire job was just to send leads their way and they would go and close them and tell me how the quality was and then we'd readjust. Mm -hmm. With speakers, it was a little bit of a different scenario though because most we found very quickly did not have the business systems in place. They didn't have the things like the CRM or email marketing to automate those types of things, nor the human capital to set it all up even. Right. So it was kind of like a, a chase, if you will, um, when we were trying to figure out how to get these leads that we were generating to convert for speakers. And it all lended itself into the business systems uh, category. Um, and then my two other partners saw the same things. They were selling software to speakers and technology that was being adopted wasn't being properly utilized because there's no education about running the business necessarily um, or as easy to find information about running the business as an expert-based business. Um, and that was a challenge. Didn't have the education to actually make that work. Um, so the technology often floundered for people. Um, and there's often so much I don't know, customization that the technology needs to fit our businesses, um, that first you have to customize it. And then two, you have to have the strategy to actually run with it and use the best practices of sales, marketing and operations to make it useful. Right. So we're trying to bridge the gap and provide the technology and the education to make that happen and make your business more scalable. Yeah. So it sounds like a, a big part of what you're trying to do is help uh, speakers have the infrastructure, the technology to uh, to run the business, but also just to be able to to consistently find and book gigs, which is obviously one of the, the bigger challenges that speakers have. So I'm curious, what what do you see as as uh, some of the main challenges and problems that speakers run into that that you guys feel like you're you're able to solve and address? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think the biggest problem is that it's the consistency and the scalability of reaching out. Um, those are two very difficult things to master. Um, I think everyone listening understands the value of building relationships. I mean, it's how we've gotten this far as human beings. But when you're running a business, you have to do this at scale. Um, and I mean, as human beings, we can only maintain 150 relationships in our lifetime with five in our inner circle. Uh, when you're running a business, you're expected to and make it seem like you can manage thousands of relationships at any given time. Um, so really, the only solution to that is technology. Uh, when the technology outpaces us, we have to leverage technology in order to stay afloat, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and the technology is meant to help you stay consistent, you know, like a simple thing like reaching out, for example, you find a good lead and you reach out. Most people stop after follow-up two because there's nothing reminding them to follow up one, but two, there might be some barriers to wanting to follow up consistently. Um, but a real system should allow you to have those 10 or 12 touch points every single time that you're going to use when you have a new lead that you're going to prospect and reach out to. And that system is meant to hold you accountable. So you actually can remember to get all the tasks done and continue to follow up. But the challenge though, is even if you master that, where you're like, okay, I, I can find leads and now I can run them through a process to have them book a meeting and kind of carry on that conversation. Mm -hmm. We have the scalability component. 
and I think Grant, you, you're attuned to this too, but there's this ebb and flow in a lot of our businesses. And I think there's some natural reasons for that, you know, seasonality and, you know, economy and so on, but you can fix how much that ebb and flow is simply by having, uh, maintaining your outreach because mm -hmm. your business becomes a little bit more predictable. But what happens for most is they start seeing the benefit of reaching out. They get some clients through the door. Now they have to please their clients as usually the solopreneur, and maybe they only have a VA, but you, the speaker, have to deliver for those people. So you stop on the sales efforts. Now the client delivery is done. Now there's no more revenue, so you have to go find it. And then you do rinse and repeat, basically. Right. Um, and systems are meant to help you do two things. One, make that effort as a solopreneur a bit easier, but two, standardize your approach so you can hire somebody to help you manage that process. And so I think the scalability component is often one of the biggest challenges because a lot of the people we talk to, they aren't thinking larger than themselves running the business, but they want to have a team around them so that they can offload some of it. And if you don't have a way to train somebody to help you do that, you haven't managed it before, it's always going to fall apart. And that's why we see high turnover um, with VAs and speaker staff in the industry is because they don't have a lot of direction. Right. At what point in a speaker's career and journey should they really start thinking about systems and processes? Because it's one of those things where a speaker who's doing, you know, 70, 50, 75, 100 dates a year feels like, okay, you, you got to definitely have some of these things in place. And for those that are just, you know, getting started or doing, you know, doing a couple gigs here and there, um, it, they may default to thinking like, well, I can, you know, I can get by with what I'm doing and kind of piecing, piecemealing it together. So what stage does systems and processes really come into place? I think that's a great question. Um, I think it's the moment that you realize that this is more than a side hustle, yeah. um, that this is a business that you want to grow. And if that's from day one, you're like, I want to get into speaking. I want to build this into a business. You have to start with the systems from day one. Um, and it's this idea of being watertight, um, especially when you're first starting out. You want to make sure nothing is slipping through the cracks and you're actively building your systems because it's going to make you more profitable much quicker than somebody else who's kind of gigging around and waiting for the phone to ring. Um, however, if that's your flavor and you're treating this as a side hustle or you just like to speak as a hobby, there definitely is, Grant, a case to be made with, well, maybe I don't need those big systems because I quite literally am waiting for the phone to ring. And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, great too. I don't really care. Um, but if you're ready to segue that into a full business where you want to do this full-time, even if you do have a full-time job while you're doing this concurrently, you want to get the systems in place because even those people, the people who are listening who are like experts full-time and want to speak on the side and kind of segue that up into a full-blown business, you got to stay on top of it all on top of the job you already have. So this, I think that the defining moment is the second you decide that this is worth treating like a business, you mm -hmm. need these systems in play. What are some of the ideal systems that any speaker would have in place and kind of maybe what stages of the, of the process for a business or for, for even for, for booking a gig, meaning that you could use you need systems for prospecting, you need systems for uh, follow up, you need systems for actually closing the deal systems for, uh, you know, if you, if you book a gig today, it may not happen for, you know, six to 12 months. And so leading up to it, uh, following the event itself, and then you extrapolate all that out multiplied by, you know, 50 or 75, hundred gigs a year that you're doing. It's a lot of moving pieces. So where do you feel like are the most important systems that a speaker has to have in place? 
Totally. So right out of the gates, you're going to need a prospecting tool like my speaking agent or the Intel engine. You're going to need, and or, I mean, really both. <laughs> you're going to need a CRM so that as you're adding leads to your database, you have a way to manage that outreach and continuously follow up. And then you're probably just going to want a calendar solution, basically something to keep track of all of your events, although a good CRM should be helping you do all of that. But with those three components, you can find leads, you can manage them and manage your entire sales process, and you can manage your calendar, which I think is the starting point here for everybody. Uh, but as you start closing deals more consistently, you want to start optimizing the pain points. Like a good example, Grant, is we hear this all the time is contracts. You close a deal and it takes you a half hour to generate the contract and because you have to type it all in manually, but you might have a template. You still have to fill out the event details, organizations, and so on. Um, and then you have to send that off and you're probably not using an e-signature tool right out of the gate. So you send that off as a PDF and they have to either print it or have their own signing tool. And it makes it complicated for the client. It makes it complicated for you. Um, so when you have those moments and you're like, wow, I want to fix this, it's important that you indicate that there's a pain first and then fix it with a system rather than the other way around. Don't over-engineer. Um, that might be time to add in the contract layer so you can automatically generate contracts based on what's your in your CRM. Um, it also depends on how you want to monetize your business. Um, the beautiful thing about speaking is naturally we have two audiences right out of the gates. You have your B2B audience, business to business, the people you're selling, you're speaking, coaching, consulting, and so on to. And you have your audience members, the B2C portion of your business, which can buy books and memberships and courses. And sometimes experts really, those two parts of the business blend together, their audience might be their B2B. But a lot of the time you need to manage those things separately, your sales process for your high ticket items and your sales process for your low ticket items. So as you start developing those things, you need a larger infrastructure. Um, but the way I like to think of it is start with a CRM, a prospecting tool in the calendar. And as you start noticing friction in your day to day, you find the systems or maybe your system already has the way to manage this, solve that problem, and then move on and iterate from there rather than trying to over-engineer these complex integrated systems right out of the gates. Right. I remember in the, the book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, one of the things he talks about, he uses the analogy of being a baker. And he talks about there's a difference between being a baker and running a bakery. And there are people that are really, really good at baking, baking bread, cupcakes, cakes, whatever it may be, but they suck at running a bakery. And I, I found that analogy really, really true with speakers. There's a lot of phenomenal speakers who are amazing on stage, but they suck at running the bakery. They suck at running the business. And systems and processes is one of those things that really, really helps. But it's also feels like the this four letter word for most speakers are just like, I just want to speak. I don't want to do all this other, you know, systems, processes, operational crap. I, I just want to speak. And like, yes, but you, you have to have these other things in place in order to get there. So what do you say to that speaker who's going like, but I'm not organized. I'm not detail oriented. I don't, I'm not systems minded. Like I just want to speak. I'm a great speaker. I know how to connect with an audience. I'm, I'm, I can tell a good story. I can fill in the blanks as a speaker, but on the other side of it, the running the business, the running the bakery, the running the speaking business, I'm not good at. So what do you say to that, to that speaker? So my first question when I get posed that, because we get asked that a lot, is I, or that we get told that a lot, I just want to speak. Yeah. Um, but I'm not good at running the business. Okay, so let's uncover that a little bit further. Um, are you willing to learn to run the business? Do you understand that having the business component allows you to scale and allows you to do more of what you love? And are you willing to take on that challenge? Um, and if the answer is yes, uh, because they realize that this is going to be a crucial component to their growth and they really want to be their own business owner, then I say, great, let's take the initial steps and then let's make sure you have the education in place to make sure that you can utilize those. Um, and it's really just about jumping in. You know, you just got to get started with it and iterate from there. Um, I know a lot of speakers, Grant, I know you do too. And I think 
a good majority of them are perfectionists. Um, and uh, that's a great thing because they means they deliver amazing things for their clients. They really take things seriously. Um, but when it comes to your business systems, it cannot be the perfect recipe right away. You have to yeah. build it initially, make it better, iterate on it and improve it and be okay with that process. One of the things I hear a lot about technology is like, well, I just want the system to do it for me. I was like, me too. Like if I, <laughs> I like I'm a business owner, like if I had sure. that magic wand, why would I be having this conversation with you right now? Right. If I could turn sales on autopilot, like I, you're here in this conversation with me, I can't make that a reality. Right. Um, but what the technology can allow you to do is just streamline all of those efforts to make the sales easier, but you still have to tell it what to do. So if you're really ready to make that leap and say, yeah, I'm ready for the technology, which really shouldn't be overbearing at this point. I mean, we're two decades into software as a service and it has gotten incredibly more accessible for solopreneurs to be able to do this type of work, um, then great, let's get started. But if they're like, no, I just want, I just want to get speaking gigs then sayonara, go get a full-time job. Right. Right. So you, you kind of touched on this there that there's this, this balance between what the technology can help with, but the, it doesn't remove the human element of it. And I, I tell speakers all the time, like no one can sell you better than you. Like, you know, right. your, your, your content, your material, the, you still have to have that human to human connection with you as a speaker and them as a decision maker or a potential client. So at what point does technology end and, and the human element begins? Because it is possible. It feels like to take technology too far where everything's automated and everything oh, yeah. feels robotic and everything feels formulaic to the point that, again, a human on the other side who's considering hiring you as a speaker, there's just, they, they feel this disconnect, you know, like they're, they're just a, uh, an email address versus a, a human on the other side. So how do you find that right balance between technology and humanity? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I get asked this question a lot and there seems to be this direct correlation between technology and removing the human element. Like that's yeah. the immediate assumption we make is like, well, we still need the human element, but technology is really any system, right? Like there's this famous acronym, you may know it, Grant, and I mean, everyone talks about this, but system, save yourself some time, energy, money, and stress. The four big, big pain points to all of our lives is it time, energy, money, or stress? Because it's always one of those four. Mm -hmm. um, and technology is meant to be an assist, right? Like, for example, like think of a prosthetic, right? Someone loses their arm. Well, they have technology, an arm. But it's not like the arm is functioning on behalf of you, <laughs> but it's yeah. meant to assist you. So the technology component, to answer your question, Grant, should never be removed. Uh, there's no handoff between technology and the human layer. Uh, it's not an either or scenario, but they're, they're layered on top of each other. You're always human and you leverage technology to help you and assist you. Um, so it should always be an assist. And let me, let's do this with a clear cut example, like um, prospecting and reaching out to people. Um, most prospecting efforts fail because we hire a list generator uh, and we do very crappy prospecting. And then we have an automated list of emails that go out a sequence, if you will. So you yep. drop all those thousands of people into the sequence, you'd call it good and nothing converts surprisingly, right? <laughs> um, and so we don't want that. But what we do want is we want tailored prospecting, which my speaking agent and the intelligent can help you with. And then you want your tasks to be automated, those 12 things that you need to do. And you do have some email templates ready so that you can customize them and you don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. But imagine your 12 touch points came out as tasks. Every time you added a lead, you were reminded every single day of all the tasks you needed to get done. And you had some templates to assist you in that reaching out when those right. different touch points come out then that's when technology 
technology becomes the assist. Um, and technology should assist you all the way through from business development, taking leads and booking a meeting, through sales development, taking that meeting and running it to a close, and then account management, delivering for that clients and generating referrals to keep that that motion going, that cyclical sales process going. Yeah, you're right. It's it's very counterintuitive that you know technology, if, if used properly, actually makes your life easier and simpler. Uh, I, I think about like when, when I was speaking full time that uh, the CRM that I use uh, each day, it wasn't me trying to think through mentally like, okay, what am I supposed to do today? Or who am I supposed to follow up on? Or who do I need to send a contract to? Or what flight do I need to book? It's like, you, you, the job was to check the CRM and there's a list of tasks in there, many of which that were in there from, that were automatically put in there because of something, some previous task that was checked off or from something that, you know, a month or two ago, Hey, don't forget to follow up with, with Tom today. And it was just out of sight, out of mind till there, but it's not like, you, you know, you've got these sticky notes everywhere or you, there's various reminders all over the place, or you're just trying to keep it in your head. It's just my one task every day was to check the CRM and the CRM would tell me what to do that day. And so it actually, again, counterintuitive, but it actually made things simpler versus trying to just figure out like, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something in the business to move the ball forward. I don't know what it is uh, versus like I show up each day and I know exactly what I'm supposed to do is to check the CRM and it'll tell me what to do for that day. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you don't want to fly blind when you're, when you're running the business. Like if you have goals, you have to re be able to reverse engineer those. Like, okay, I want to do hundred K this year. Cool. What's your fee? Okay, what does that break down per gigs? And now that we have that, how many people do you need to reach out to to be able to, in a year, book those number of gigs, let's say? Right. Um, and then you need that technology to be able to assist you, like you said, Grant, where you have the follow-up tasks and things become standardized at some point. Like with enough iteration, you know that your 12 touch points work every time. After you add 100 leads, you're booking 10 or 20 meetings, let's say, um, maybe a 10 to 20% conversion rate from cold lead to booked meeting. Um, and when you can have that insight where you're like, wow, this works every single time. Well, now, and you've done it. Now you can hire somebody to help you do that. And they'll pay sure. for themselves hand over fist. If you want to remove yourself out of that equation to delegate and then elevate yourself up. Yeah. Let me piggyback on that because I think, again, that's one of the big challenges so many speakers have is, uh, again, we, we like to speak, but we don't like, uh, we, we don't like the idea of selling, uh, let alone the idea of selling ourselves. Cause we mm -hmm. feel like, you know, if they are rejecting, they're rejecting me personally. It's easy to, sure. you know, to take it, uh, personally internalize it, that sort of thing. Uh, and most speakers are like, I just, again, I don't want to run the bakery. I just want to bake bread. That's all I want to do. And so what would you say to that speaker? Who's going, I, I want to, you know, so many of the systems, so many of the processes, especially so much of the sales and marketing, prospecting, all of that stuff. I just want to outreach. I just or, or, uh, uh, outsource rather. Outsource I want it. someone else to do it, someone else to handle it, someone else to, yeah. like, I feel like so many speakers we talk to are always looking for, how do I get a beer? How do I get an agent? How do I get someone else That's to right. do all these things for me? And the truth is like, there's a certain part that like you have to do, you have to again, mm -hmm. get over that. So what do you say to those speakers who are going, I just want to outsource all this stuff. Uh, what do you say to them? Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. Uh, Grant, did someone hand you uh, the speaker lab on a silver platter and say, hey, run with this? Unfortunately, no, not so much. Didn't happen on my end either. Didn't yeah. happen with the four other businesses I've had either. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't happen, period. Um, and what that means then is you need to have control. Um, the thing, and I, I, Grant, I hear this all the time too, is like, well, I'm, I have referrals. <laughs> okay, cool. That means you have a great product, right? Yeah. Um, but if you think about bureaus and agents, those are also just referral mechanisms. Sure. Uh, but the challenge is that you're putting all of the control of your revenue generation into what ifs yeah. instead of what is. And so what happens is you don't know when a bureau or is going to book you or how often. And if you're just starting out, you think a bureau is really going to start 
booking you right now? No way. Like if you're a big CEO and you're just stepping into the speaking space and they want to represent you or you have some good clout before stepping in, okay, you might get lucky and get a bureau to represent you right off of the bat. Um, but chances are for most, it doesn't happen because when we talk with bureaus, and I know you've had these conversations, Grant, they want to see a, an element of good work in your, pa- in your right. past by being a speaker. Well, how do you do your own work then before you get booked by a speaker, before an agent's going to hire your book with you and so on? You have to prove your worth first. And I think bureaus and agents and referrals are beautiful sources of revenue in the speaking business. There's actually not many business elder industries out there where there there are these governing parties like bureaus and agents dishing out leads to the Mm -hmm. people who serve their clients. It it almost doesn't exist in most other industries. So it's a luxury that we have those things, but they should be treated as icing on the cake. Uh, You know, what happens if you just have icing? Get sick. Icing. Yeah, it gets <laughs> sick, right? You need the cake to go along with it. And that has a nice foundation to it. Sure. Um, so you have to be able to have your systems to sell, to outsource, to do all those things, but you can't manage, you can't train what you can't manage or do yourself either. And this is why we have that high turnover rate in the industry is because there's been this term that goes around about how you build your speaking business. Um, it's two letters, VA. Um, I'm just going to hire a VA to do it all. No, because what a VA can handle administrative tasks is very different than being able to actually book deals, reach out to people, prospect and so on. And so you need to start thinking about your business holistically. Um, And what needs to happen first? First, you need to learn how to generate revenue yourself predictably. Okay, so now you've got that done. Now you need to hire it out. So you don't have to spend your time doing that all the time. But you want one person in that role full time. You don't want a VA to be doing that because their attention is split. And then you want to scale on up past that point once you fix the revenue generation piece. But you can't just outsource something. I mean, let me tell you a story. I had a client, or not a client, uh, just a person, a speaker come to me recently. They were using Infusionsoft and um, her main VA, I mean, worst case scenario, all of a sudden died. Not because of COVID, it was past pre-COVID and stuff, but just just died. Um, Tragic, worst case scenario. And I had so much empathy for her. Um, But the challenge was, is she put all of her systems in the hands of that one individual without understanding how anything worked. Um, So what happened when that person died? Business tanked Um, because you don't have control. Uh, Much like COVID, when uh, we, we got hit with the pandemic, everybody relying on referrals, bureaus, and agents, revenue disappeared. Everybody who had a sales process already, sure, it was more difficult to get to the close. You had to have more conversations than normal so that the predictability shifted a little bit, but they were still able to navigate successfully because they were able to still maintain and build their relation, new relationships. Right. Um, you just don't want your control in somebody else's hands when you're running your own business. Very true. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start, let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done-for-you websites, done-for-you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. 
All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. So uh, at the time of this recording, we're wrapping up uh, 2020 late in the year, a couple weeks left here. Uh, so as we go into 2021, I'm curious, uh, two things. One, what you're seeing as far as potential trends or uh, predictions you may have in the magic crystal ball of what the speaking industry looks like in, in 2021. But then also, I'd be curious of a lot of these systems and processes we're, we're talking about that we, you know, we've helped formulate for speakers is, is a lot built around uh, live in-person events, which have largely been put on pause, starting to come back a little bit more. But how does a lot of the systems and processes apply for virtual events? Yeah, it's a great question. So with virtual, the, the act of selling guys hasn't changed for thousands of years. We've been selling all of human existence, basically. That has never changed. Build a relationship, do it well, be intentional about it. It's how you build trust. Um, and quite honestly, your buyers, like they care about your content and what type of expert you are, but they care far more about your ability to deliver for them. And so if you build their trust really early on, you're more likely to get the gig in the first place. So the act of selling grant has not changed whatsoever. However, um, we need to be extremely empathetic, probably now more than ever, about what they're experiencing, what they're going through, mm -hmm. because a lot of them, a lot of your clients, they may might not have yet even run a virtual event. Um, so they're concerned, they're worried about tech issues and so on. So one of the things you can do to alleviate that is just by communicating like, hey, I've done this a time or two before. Um, here are some recommendations that I have. I think we need to have a rehearsal, you know, a week beforehand and the day of just to make sure all the tech is working. And then we're going to make sure this goes off without a hitch. So you add a component of trust because you've been here before to help guide, you know, if we're looking at story writing, guide them uh, to success at them as the hero. Right. right. Um, so the act of selling hasn't changed. We just have to be more empathetic about what's going on in their world. But here's one thing that we've seen kind of like a switch kind of go off is the lead time for when you can reach out to somebody to when they book you has just shrunk by like 66%. Mm -hmm. You know, you might reach out and their, their event isn't for six months, but they're planning it because it's live and they got to do caterers, but I got to get their speakers first. So you book the deal, they sign the contract. It doesn't happen for another six months. Yeah. Right now, you can literally get a turnaround that day. You know, you call somebody, yeah, I need you at my sales kickoff tomorrow. Can you make mm -hmm. it? And now you have to think very quickly, which means now more than ever, our system's more important so that you can act on those things quickly. Quickly because what you had six months for in the past has now completely shrunk down from as little as a day. Right. Right. Yeah. We've seen the exact same thing that, that speakers who are going like, uh, which makes it very difficult for, um, uh, kind of planning and predicting because you had a pretty good sense of, of, you know, what a couple months from now looks like my calendar's full or I got a couple spots here or there, but now it's going like, I don't necessarily know what next week or the next couple of weeks looks like. So it can be uh, a bit stressful for, for speakers. But again, that's where having a lot of those systems in place removes some of that anxiety and fear because, you know, if you follow the system, if you trust the system, then generally the results on the other end are going to be pretty consistent. So uh, again, let's pull back to the crystal ball for a second. We'll, let's wrap up with this. Uh, what do you think 2021 going to look like for the, the speaking industry? Yeah. So I kind of want to give you a timeline over the last three decades, let's say, of the speaking space. So pre-2000s, let's call it, um, leads and events were primarily managed through bureaus and agents because events or people looking for speakers knew to go to a bureau because the online existence didn't happen yet. No right. personal branding, no websites or whatever. 
So now we get into the year 2000, 2010s, and everyone can still kill it by just getting up on stage and leaving, getting up on stage and leaving. And we see the emergence of personal brands, which makes speakers more accessible to the people hiring. Um, but then the 2008 recession hits, and now they need more than just somebody coming up and speaking. This is where we see a big emergence of breakout sessions, workshops, masterclasses, training facilitations, and speakers kind of broadening themselves out from just keynote to doing all these other things. And then we go for another 10 years, kind of hunky-dory and, you know, the internet's kind of going up and now we're even more accessible and then boom, the pandemic hits. And now what people are looking for is not just the keynote or the training, but continued education, because mm -hmm. what they're hoping to do is solve some problems. And they're not looking for corporate entertainment. They're looking for experts who can solve problems who happen to speak, basically. Yeah. Um, and what's going to happen over the next decade, without a doubt, is that we're going to see ourselves be truly defined as experts delivering a whole swath or buffet of ways that we can serve them and then helping them stay engaged past that point. The clients that we've seen do the best navigating COVID, they might offer a keynote or a training or a workshop on the front end, but on the back end, they most always have drip sequences for continued education or a platform to put those audience members to kind of keep them engaged past that point. Clients now more than ever are looking to stay engaged with their experts. And this is not a bad thing at all, because if you can stay engaged, they're going to keep rehiring you and rehiring you as an expert that they go to. And then you can really increase the lifetime value of that client. Um, doesn't mean you should stop finding new ones, though. It just means that your, your offering is going to broaden and what your client is looking for is more handholding than just the standard get up you know, uh, on camera and then leave situation. Right. Yeah. The, the whole emergence of, of virtual speaking has definitely given, it seems like clients more confidence with doing something virtually in the future, meaning that it could be some combination of, you know, we want a, a speaker to come in and do a, maybe a live in-person thing, but Hey, in 30 days or 60 days, 90 days, can we all hop on zoom and you reiterate some of this stuff or give us some additional training or coaching? Uh, whereas before may have been a le little less leery or a little more leery to do something virtual going like, ah, you know, we've never done that before. And are people used to it? Uh, so virtual has certainly opened up a, a lot more doors for uh, the future. And I, I definitely agree that the, the continuing education, continuing, continuing beyond just the stage here, uh, there's a lot of opportunities there. So uh, Taylor, really good stuff, man. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, share these insights and some wisdom with us. If people want to find out more about you and SpeakerFlow, where can we go? Speakerflow.com. It's all there on the website. Loads of free resources. Got a cool podcast out. So go ahead and give that a listen. But yeah, just hit us up on the website and get all the free content you possibly can muster up. Sounds good. Thanks, Heather. We appreciate it, buddy. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Grant. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.